Hello. Hi, John. Merlin. Hello. Hi. (laughs) 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 Boy, it's late. That's cringe. Oh, did I did I do a cringe? You did cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, so many parts of speech are being, being repurposed, and if you like, reclaimed by our youth. Yeah, what is to do cringe? Oh, um, am I well, am I do cringe? Well, you know, for the longest time, at least in the worlds of like business, politics, and tech, <clears throat> I feel like you would get a lot of nouns made into verbs. Hmm. Hmm. You know, like we're gonna like, I don't know, like table that, or we're gonna, yeah. you know, uh, what was what was the one I ran into not long ago? I'm gonna prioritize this for candidization. Was one candidization? Yeah, I say all the time. You know what? I'm gonna Merlin this pro- a problem. Oh, I'm just, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna Merlin the shit out of this. Is that like a community when you're Brit or something? Is that is that a euphemism <laughs> for screwing up? <laughs> I don't is that right? Know. Britta is a is a is a way of screwing up. I still can't get my kid to listen, even though we are so deep in community now. I still cannot get my kid to listen to the all the great shows episode. It breaks my heart. Your story about chatting with with that lady about LA architecture, yeah, wonderful. Um, no, this one I think now cringe. Um, another one that was used in, in my home where I live, where my children play mm-hmm. with their toys, just yes. today. So cringe, I think, uh, is used often as a noun, and that's as, cringe. I think, and then um, uh, one that I, I encounter is aesthetic used as an adjective. Oh, oh, wait. Okay, so that's cringe, or or maybe it's maybe wrong. it's a well, yeah, but, but that's like aesthetic. Oh, it's well, saying. that's it's a very uh, it's it's a I think you could say something like that's a very aesthetic. Um, meme <laughs> right i see i see uh, uh, you know and, what and, and, i'm hitting eject i'm hitting eject i want wait, out of use, this use cringe as a noun use cringe as a noun i want to hear that oh god john the way the way uh uh well the, i still mean adjective john the way you greeted me yeah. was very cringe yeah that's adjective though right i guess are parts of speech still a thing do we still do uh, that you know what ken jennings did an episode of omnibus where he <gasps> said that parts of speech that that um that what policing language is intrinsically discriminatory. I can but, see but that as a point it, of view. He meant <clears throat> it the other way, which oh. is when you say that's bad grammar. Now, I don't think he meant it. Policing people's grammar is discriminatory, but I don't think pe- policing people's language, the way it's done where it's like, you can't say that anymore. I don't think that's considered discrimination. There, there are a lot of ways. Yeah, there's, you there's, know there's like a, a thousand ways it can go wrong. Yeah, defund the police yeah. that are telling you they're, they're, there, but then refund the community policing. Mm. That is, you can't say that anymore because it's racist. I, 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 I can't begin. I t- I'm going to tell you what I told my shrink the other day. I, oh, I said, <laughs> I assumed that you always did. Oh, okay. Tell well, me, tell I, me what you told your shrink. I said, you know, cause basically it's, it's a monthly thing. You know, I think sometimes about people who encounter you only in certain circumstances, dentists come to mind. Your, your whole mouth, your whole life is mouth to your dentist. Yeah, your mouth your life is mouth. Your life is mouth. And to my shrink, we meet once a month and I, I tell him how I've been disappointing. There's things I, I was supposed to have done. John 
you know, scheduling things yes. with doctors and Ugh. things like that. You know, it's 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 a whole thing. Um, and so, yeah, I basically pay him, you know, I pay him some money each month to, 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 to he doesn't see it that way, which thousands I, of dollars, right. You know, it adds up in the <laughs> end, but, um, but I, I'm not against language changing. I think it's exciting that language yeah. can change. All you gotta just go Google for all the words that Shakespeare either like invented or popularized, you know, it's, it's why English is so great. We take everything. We do. We do. We are like a, we're like an omnivorous uh, language beast. Mm. Uh, but uh, but all, what I'm asking us to do is just take a beat and say, are we sure we really need a neologism for something where there's already a pretty good word? And I, I think a little bit of pushback from, from one middle-aged guy in San Francisco asking you to please just take a minute and make sure there's not already a better word for that is – I just I – just, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm being terrible, aren't I? I'm being, am I being <laughs> I cringe, John? Be I honest. Know. I don't know. I can't even tell anymore either. No. I, I don't know. I don't know up from down. I don't even know if those are still the terms we use. I, I like to describe I like, up and down. I like, I like uh, the phrase, uh, this is a very big Wikipedia word. I, I like disambiguation. And I like ah. a certain amount of precision. Precisement. 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 Les mots juste. I went back to my psychiatrist. Okay. After uh, several months of going to a psychologist, mm -hmm. and this just happened last week, because the psychologist had spent a lot of time saying, look, as you talk about your childhood and your high school years and the problems you've had all along, uh, they're your fa failure to thrive in many ways. Oh. oh, you hate to hear that. He said, well, no, that's just me describing it to him. He would never say that, that about me. Well, that was our but, number one fear when we had a baby. You didn't want to become one of those failure to thrive people. Uh, no, I finding mean, out retroactively you have you have uh, late onset failure to thrive. That's the thing. But Oof. you know, you can't tell. I can't tell my whole story. Oh, I so I watched Singles last night because it was the thirtieth anniversary of Singles. Is that uh, Matt? What's his head? Matt, what's his head? Yeah. And the, Bridget Fonda, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It was filmed in Seattle. It was a, it was, it was uh, presented in, in, at least in the mainstream media as being a uh, kind of grunge influenced movie with the, you got grunge, uh, grunge style music product in it. You've got uh, Pearl Jam are in the movie. Oh. You know, uh, Chris Cornell appears in the movie. Tad is in the movie. Wow. They, they use Mud Honey music. Um, and it was filmed in Seattle in the spring of 1991 when I worked at the off-ramp. They filmed some scenes there. I remember I remember being told that for the next three days, the venue was going to be closed. And so they weren't going to pay me for the next three days. Okay, because, just, just real quick, because you never know when there's when there's somebody who doesn't know the background. Could sure. you just impact, just really quickly, what, 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 why is that place well-known amongst people of our age? And like, what, were you like a bar back there, or what was your job? No, I started as like a, yeah, just like a bus boy. Um, but it had, it had been a gay club before and mm -hmm. the owner realized that there were two other clubs in town that were making all this money booking bands. This is, this is January. Crocodile of, maybe? Well, no, that crocodile didn't exist yet. It was oh, the, boy. the central tavern and, uh, the Vogue tavern and they were, booking, oh, you see, it's called the, the off ramp. 
the off ramp that does right have a gay bar a vibe. Oh yeah. yeah, and it was it had formerly been a brothel, and then it was this place, you know, and and he ran it like the way a lot of gay bars used to do, which is like Monday night is leather daddy night, yeah, Tuesday yeah, night yeah. is drag queen, Wednesday night is lesbian night. I bet you Tuesday night was new wave night. That t- it was always like the uh, the redheaded stepchild of nights. If you wanted to get your sister of mercy on, you had to go for usually some kind of like Saturday night spoken for. Well, and the thing is, this was not a disco that uh, that welcomed straight people so it wasn't one of those crossover oh i get it they weren't just trying to do a little bit of side hustle this was a gay bar and saturday Uh nights and friday nights were like disco it was like pickup hot hot spot scene but he realized wait a minute there are these there are these clubs that are booking these long-haired bands and they're making a mint and the guy that owned the bar lee ray he did not he used to own a Pontiac dealership and then he retired and yeah. was like I I had to pretend that I was not gay to sell Pontiacs uh in Kitsap County for 40 years <laughs> now I am no longer pretending I'm going to spend I sold my Pontiac dealership now I'm opening a gay bar and I am gay now uh-huh yeah all and that money was, spends the same it was very exciting at the time and so he was like I want to make this money and so he said, I'm going to start booking bands, but I don't know anything about that world. So I have to hire some straight kids who have leather jackets to come work for me and tell me who the bands he's, are. He's, look, he's bringing in a, a tra- transitional leather scene. And I was the second or third straight kid, but he realized right away that I was useless because I was so new. Yeah. It was so peach fuzz. Probably a lot to pick up. A lot, right? And yeah. I was just like, whoa, I just moved here. And he's like, okay, well, here's what you're going to do. Stay so out of trouble. Did you feel a little bit like Country Mouse there? I was Country Mouse because the rock shows were only going to be two nights a week. And the rest of the night, it was still going to be a leather daddy scene. And he was like, look, just go, uh, just go pick up beer bottles and ask people if they're doing okay and empty the ashtrays. And I was like, but, but, but they're, they all look so fierce. And he's like, trust me, they're not. And so I, I mean, I remember the first day I walked out into the room, 400 guys wearing, you know, like, uh, chaps and nothing else. And I was like, I don't know. They're going to eat me alive. And he was like, maybe, yeah. but, but in a w- in a way that you're not, that you're not even thinking of, they're not going to hurt you. You don't even know how to know what you don't know at that point. I, that's exactly right. I was like. I don't, how do you mean? It's like the motorcycle gang in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, you know, but they, they seem to be kind of pairing off in a friendly way. Well, and that's, and the thing was, I remember the long walk I did for the first time from one end of the bar to the other, emptying ashtrays and picking up uh, empty glasses. And I remember halfway through walking across and I was like, it smells like lavender in here. Mm. And everyone was That's so, relaxing. it was, and they were so nice to me. And by the time I got to the other side of the bar, I was like, wow, that was really fun and invigorating. And of course the other, I mean, the gay employees of the bar were like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have uh-huh. no idea what the rest of tonight. There's a lot of levels of with life. which you're going to need to acquaint yourself. Don't, yeah. don't, don't <clears throat> imprint too heavily just on lavender. No, and I looked like a sea lion to them. You know, I was just. (laughs) Thank you for calling the Roderick on the line support team. Your call is extremely important to us. To continue in English, press one. 
If you know the episode that bothered you, please enter it now. Otherwise, press 1. If you like the hosts, press 9. Otherwise, press 1. If you want to support the show, press 9. Otherwise, press 1. Press 9. Press 9. Okay, it sounds like you maybe aren't really getting how the whole phone thing works. So please just go to Patreon.com. Okay. Okay. Pump the brakes. Real talk, this whole phone thing is really not your shit, so as a mercy I have disabled the buttons on your phone. Now, please go give money at patreon.com slash roderickonthelion or give roderickyourmoney.com. It has been an honor to help you today, and good luck finding some kind of occupational therapy, or maybe an extension class where you can learn phones. In any case, keep moving and get out of the way. I was so sleek and young. But anyway, so this bar in a very short amount of time, because Lee Ray realized, Lee Ray. look, on, on Wednesday night, I can have lesbian night and 600 people come in here and they all buy one beer and nurse it all night because they're just here to dance. Oh, I, or, oh, whereas the long hairs come in and they, they're, they're oh buying a God. lot of what PBR or something. Yeah. He's like, I can book Tad. A, a person I've never heard of. Do they have a liquor license? They do. Oh, yeah. That makes a big, a big difference. difference. And he said, then I can have 600 greasy kids in here and I will make 50 times the money. And, and so you're not going to waste time on Amaretto Sours. This is just going to be people buying six of something cheap. Well, but it's yeah, going to move, shots. but make it up in volume. Boom, boom, oh, boom. shots. He, 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 oh, shots he had shots are money, John. There's a lot of money in shots. He took that bottle of Chambord and he moved it up to a top shelf and he replaced it with four bottles of Jim Beam. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, woohoo, making money. So right away, within the first four months I worked there, the drag shows and the lesbian nights and all of that went away and got replaced. You know, first it was two nights, then it was three nights, then it was seven nights right. of just straight up like my sister's machine and steel pole bathtub uh -huh. are play and cat butt cat butt, you know. cat butt was real and yeah. so anyway they filmed singles there during this period and i remember okay. pearl jam who they were called mookie blaylock at the time and matt dillon were there and bridget fonda and then we didn't hear anything about this movie until the following year like 18 months later this movie comes out <laughs> and a lot of the people that worked at the bar at the time were like, Hey, I'm in the movie. I'm like in the background in that scene. And there was a girl that I knew really well, who was pr very prominent. There's a scene where the two le romantic leads are like, he's meeting her in a bar and he sidles up to her and he's like, Hey, you know, I was going to use a line, but it turned out I was just going to be myself. And she was like, that's kind of a line. Mm. There was a, a really close Sorry, friend. Of kind of, kind of Cameron Crowe feel to it. Super Cameron Crowe. Yeah. And it was, and sh this friend of mine was standing right next Wait, to Wait, did Cameron Crowe do this movie? Yeah, it's Cameron oh, Crowe. He's actually in Okay. The well, a good Paul Merlin. I, I don't, I didn't remember that. I yep. think of him for almost famous, I guess yep. later on. But, uh, but this was oh, this wow. was a big film, and it was it, and it he was with the lady the from Heart at the time. Is that right, Nancy he Nancy was. Wilson? Weirdly, yeah. he didn't put her in the movie. There are very mm. few, uh, which by which I mean no female musicians in the movie. Is L Seven from Seattle? No. L Seven was a Seattle band. Now, what about whether they Kim, were Kim from, from here? Kim from uh, the singer from Fastbacks was also in. Uh, 
uh, in another grunge band too, right? Well, the the people in the Fastbacks were in other grunge bands. Kurt Block, mm-hmm. definitely, and Musburger was in the band. But no, Kim was pretty much straight up Fastbacks. Okay. But anyway, watching the movie was so crazy because here's here's uh, are you ready for this well i'm thinking it must be a little bit it's like i mean the closest thing i could think of just straight off the dome was going this is so silly but going to edinburgh castle here in town where they shot so i married an axe murderer and it's like (laughs) oh it's it's this place but it was different the way they set it up it must have been a little surreal for you to forget about the fact that your place of employment would be in a movie, and then suddenly it is. And I've, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also at the point where Seattle's well and truly over the whole quote-unquote grunge thing, yes? Well, no, at the time it was just like, are you kidding me? Like, here we are. It was, you know, summer Oh, it was still part of the Annis, uh, Annis Mirabilis. Like, pr- yeah. still pretty exciting. Okay, Oh, all right. yeah. I mean, Pearl. I think Pearl Jam's 10 was one number one, or, or never mind was, when the movie mm-hmm. came out. So it was... Lemon yellow, son. Yeah. Uh, lemon yellow sun. Yes. Hit me with a surprise. <laughs> Pow. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, but, but watching it now, there's one particular scene where, uh, where one of the, uh, the stars is on a bicycle and she's riding across town. And it's one of those where it's like, wait a minute, she was there and now she's over here. Oh, they did like, like a, the San Francisco and bullet. Yeah. yeah. One of this. No, yeah, not the, but yeah. watching it was crazy because although Seattle is nothing like that anymore, that Seattle doesn't exist. It's on film, and so it, that Seattle, and those people look pristine. It looks like it was made yesterday. Oh, like captured in situ, like under glass, like this is a moment. Yeah, but for me, mm-hmm. it's all in sepia in my memory. Mm. And so it was very weird to see that Seattle. And to come back to that movie, th- you say 30? 30, 30, 30 years? years later. I hadn't seen it in 30 Oh, my God. And so I- It doesn't matter- not, Matt Dillon, right? Matt Dillon. Doesn't he have a, like a kind of objectionable, pretty generic, like rectangular soul patch? He does. He does. Doesn't he have like a very, strap-on soul patch? He actually looks exactly like Jason Finn looked at the time. He basically <laughs> modeled his look on Bad. Jason Finn. He's doing the whole thing. He's got the long underwear and the shorts and the long hair oh, and the I did beanie. That. Yeah. Um, layers. Uh, the early 90s were all about layers for me. They were about layers here, for sure. That's one of our things. But I, But watching it, I was like, Wait a minute. When they were filming this scene, I was two blocks away, and A had no idea they were filming this scene there, and B, I remember myself at that time as a failure to thrive person mm. because you're sober at this point, right? No, no. <clears throat> and there are oh. people in the movie who are like, "I'm 22, and oh my god, you know, like I can't get my life together." Mm. And I was 22 at that very moment. And these people looked incredible to me. They have jobs, they have apartments, they're in relationships. They seem. (laughs) You really can have it all. And I, and watching it from my perspective at the time, I was like, I do have a job, but I don't have a girlfriend or an apartment. And I, I am wasted all the time. And, and I don't, but this is I my memory I, I think now. I dropped a decade because Russian State Hurricanes and that stuff with Sub Pop, that's like 98-ish. Yes. Exactly. Okay, this is, okay, yeah, of course, yeah. This is 92. Okay. Anyway, watching it and thinking, I thought then, and I think now, of myself as failing to thrive. 
But I was, uh, I was a kid living his life, having all the things that a kid does when he's 22 at that time, I wasn't failing to thrive. I was one of the many people. I was just one of the many people. And I was living in that town. I was just, just one, uh, just one, uh, one shiny thread in a big tapestry. I was just a guy in the background of mm-hmm. the scene where these two were hooking up. And so in talking to my psychologist and saying, oh, you know, I never, I just, it always has been, been just like missed connections and a clusterfuck and a dumpster fire. He has been saying repeatedly you have attention deficit disorder and you have it, you have, you have it profoundly, but it is not hyperactivity. Right. That's mine. Right. And that is a lot of people I know the hyperactivity side. He said, you have the attention deficit. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Just, just to say what I I put that poorly. What I'm trying to say is like, I, I, I may strike. You, uh, the listener as a hyper person, but I have the full on like the, the attention problem. I cannot right. always be counted upon to have the executive function to put this where I would prefer it to be and then check in to make sure that it's still there. And yes. then all the, uh, all the other stuff that, you know, is attendant with that, which can include things like anxiety and failure to thrive. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so he's been saying over and over, like the, the problem is and uh, you know, and the, for people our age, it's so hard to say, to hear someone say you have bipolar disorder and attention deficit disorder yeah. at a, at a certain point, I hear the voice of my father go, I killed 16 <laughs> Japanese <laughs> pick a lane <laughs> and you've got, and you can't get a goddamn job. <laughs> I shot down a zero with a goddamn pistol. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash super trained friends. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and you can sell anything, your products, content you create. You can even sell your time. This is true. This is new and it's true and it's amazing. It's Squarespace. Okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe you're out there. Well, what some people call creative, I, I, I would call, I would not use that word. I would say people who make things right. But, but maybe have a lot, that's what a lot of us do. And you need a website for that. Squarespace wants to help. And you know, it's bringing together a lot of the old and the new in a way I find very invigorating. Remember blogging? Does anybody remember blogging? Well, you can create a community on your Squarespace website with a fully integrated commenting system that supports threaded comments, replies, and likes. You can use their powerful blogging tools to categorize, share, and schedule your posts as well. This is amazing. This is like stuff from the future where we all will spend the rest of our lives. You know, uh, you may, may know this. This is huge. This is, this is huge. All Squarespace sites are optimized for mobile. That means that the, the content on your pages will automatically adjust so that your site looks great on any device or dingus. That used to be an entire se- separate career. Squarespace does that for you. Uh, maybe you want to save time with uh, cross-posting. You want to get your message out there. Well, it's built right in. Squarespace can auto-post your content to Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook, personal or brand pages. All post entries and images are optimized and tagged, so descriptions and titles will be correct wherever you are posting. You know, and let me just put in my own personal word for uh, for Squarespace. It's like my friend Marcus says, you know, you can pay me to talk about it, about it, but you can't pay me to like it. Well, I like it, and I'm going to talk about it. So, you know, can't two things be true, 
right? I've used Squarespace for a very long time. And in fact, you are using it right now. I mean, definitely over 10 years. Roderick on the Line, our podcast that you're listening to right now, is hosted on Squarespace. And that's over 10 years. That's a very long time. You, you could have a child that's almost done with elementary school at this point. Mine's older than that. So, you know, it's, it's horrible, you know, having a kid. But Squarespace can't help with that. It's not their problem. They want to build it, uh, build it beautiful is what they say. <laughs> so right now, do me a favor. Go and head, head over to uh, squarespace.com slash supertrain. And you can get a free trial. Okay, free trial, no credit card required. You go in there. When you're ready to launch, right, you're ready to take it and put it live, push the big red button. I don't know if there's a big red button. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Use the offer code SUPERTRAIN, and that's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once again, please, squarespace.com slash SUPERTRAIN, offer code SUPERTRAIN. They've been great to us. They're going to be great to you. Um, and our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. So... <laughs> So, but, but he's saying like, the problem is if you have attention deficit sore, and, so deficit deficit yeah. sore, and, and just, just in passing, disorder. I just would mention that, uh, another show that I, I, I co-host with a person, a bipolar, with a po- that bipolar, um, diagnosis, uh, also got, uh, diagnosed with ADHD after the bipolar. I wonder if this is a thing. So he says the problem is that attention deficit disorder, we did know what it was in the eighties and we knew what manic depression was. But the, but the problem is if you had, this is what's weird. If you had actually been treated for ADD in 1981, it might have thrown your bipolar way out because the the two medicines do not work well. My shrink told me a long time ago, when gossiping about other people that I know, said that it's that it's not uncommon at all, even among psychiatrists, not just psychologists, but for psychiatrists to, I don't know, this is just what I, what I've heard, and this is what he says. But that there are that if you get the, the especially with bipolar, if you get that diagnosis wrong and try to treat it for just depression, yeah. you get the same problem. Same. In the sense that, like, I mean, obviously, giving somebody a ton of Ritalin may not be the thing to stabilize their emotional jelly, but that that's another one where even if you do get, like, oh, we got the depression part, but, like, the psych, do we still call it cycling? Is that still what it's yeah, called? Yeah, cy- cycling, let's, yes, let's call it that. You can actually, you can make it worse if you, if you treat that, just that what appears to be, so you stop at the diagnosis of, like, whatever generalized <coughs> depression is. Exactly. That's the other problem, right? If, if I had actually taken the depression medicine that they gave me then, he, they, they say, the psychiatrist says, that might have thrown you into a wild mania. You dodged then, some bullets, buddy. Yeah, and then a terrible crash where you wouldn't even be able to see the bottom. And so what I did, I dodged the bullet by not taking any medicine during see, the 80s. See, and sometimes nothing's a cool, pretty cool hand. <laughs> <laughs> no one can eat 50 eggs. Ain't no man can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> so what we have here is a failure to medicate. And what, what they're saying is, look, all that failure to thrive may have been a bonus because the other options might have been either that you flame, you, you burn out or fade away. Ugh. So now I go back last week. I haven't seen my psychiatrist in a year because I was seeing a psychologist. Is that somebody like, uh, is that... Maybe not synonymous with therapist, but is it a primary talk, primarily a talk therapy experience with a therapist? Therapist, that's right. So he can't prescribe anything, but mm-hmm. he can, but he likes to talk. And then the psychiatrist is the prescriber, 
And you know, my psychiatrist is good at talking, but he's not, he's not like, he, he doesn't have a ponytail, you know, I mean, he doesn't. It's, 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 I mean, I realize this is not, I'm not saying I believe this, I can't believe this, but to me, like you say, you say, you say, Hey, I need a plumber because uh, my pipes are all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I need for proof of that is that there's shit everywhere. So I may not know how to fix that, but I do know to call a plumber about that. And there's, but there's this part of me, and I, I shouldn't even say this, but sometimes I wonder. Like therapy seems like this much longer thing where it's like, well, let's talk about how you feel about your pipes yeah. instead of like. Whereas the psychiatrist is like, why are we doing this? Just take this. Like, yeah, we, uh, yeah. we we're not going to make the shit go away by talking about your childhood. Well, that's exactly right. And the thing was, I went over to the the therapist because I'd been taking bipolar medicine and it clearly worked. Yeah. It clearly has kept me out of out of terrible places. But I'm still not You're still anything. failing to thrive, John. I'm still failing to thrive. So I was like, maybe I need to talk about my feelings. And then he is saying, "Oh no, all of your feelings, not it's not as simple as this, but all of your bad feelings seem to come from a place where you feel like you don't finish anything. Everything you start ends up sitting half done on the di- on the dining room table for nine months until you sweep it into a box. Right. And, you know, and your desktop on your computer is full of half-finished essays. And your and to, Patreon to bring the Merlin is, Man angle, it's one thing to have unfinished projects, and it's potentially another thing to have unfinished projects and to feel terminally bad about it and unable right. to. You know what I mean? The feeling yes. bad about feeling bad cannot be overstated in terms of importance. And that, and there it is, right? And and as he said it, I was like, oh right, I wake up every morning and I start to write an essay, and I write six pages of it, and I'm really in love with it, and then all of it, and because I can do that in an hour and a half, and then all of a sudden I remember that I needed to water the garden, and I go outside, and I turn on the water, and then I wake up an hour later, and I'm building a treehouse. And I get the- <laughs> You're still developing the plans for your seven-sided lighthouse made of trees. Yeah, and then I get halfway through, I only get four sides of the seven-sided lighthouse, and I leave it. Still exposed to the elements. And then I accidentally leave the electric drill, the battery-powered drill, out in the unfinished treehouse, and then it rains. Ugh. And then, you know, and then by by an hour later, you know, like I'm building a piece of furniture and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I leave that unfinished and I'm like, what am I doing? And then I sit and I'm like, you suck. Well, and you, I'm guessing potentially you get a little bit of David Roderick voice somewhere in your head, <clears throat> right? I mean, yeah. it's not your dad specifically maybe, but that idea of like, how could you possibly be failing to thrive at this point? Just focus on one thing and go do it. And right. I shut down at zero and you can too. Well, and, and so I, In the part of this process, I looked around and I was like, wait a minute, my family is healthy and happy. Everybody's doing great. I have a house. I, every aspect of my life is doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. But I am so sad and I have so many things I want to do in life that I can't do. And every time somebody online says, well, I used to, you know, I used to support him, but now he never like puts anything out. So anyway, I took my $1 and put it somewhere else. I'm like, uh, but I have all these half finished things that I want to make you happy with 
random dude on the internet, you know? So I went to the psychiatrist and he was like, haven't seen you in a year. How you been? Hint, hint. And I said, I have attention. <laughs> As he's like, like, like Bob Fosse, just suddenly shaking <laughs> a bottle full of pills. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> well, no. So, so I said, I have attention deficit disorder. And he said, I've been telling you that the whole time, but we still Fucking have the try hard nerds. Shut we, up. We still have the problem <sighs> of bipolar. Yep. And I can't give you Ritalin or Adderall because I'm afraid. He said, you run so hot already. He said, look at, look at what your foot is doing right now. And my foot was fucking tap dancing a whole thing mm -hmm. on the floor. And he's like, you're so hot and so close to like hypomania all the time. I don't want to put anything in you that fucks you up. And so what we have to judge is, can you, is it better just like your childhood? Is it yes. better for you to, to not be medicated than is it possibly so much worse that we try and treat it and then all of a sudden you're in Las Vegas and you don't know where your shoes are? <laughs> and I was I'm like, sorry, right, right, right. That's funny. <laughs> huh? 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 What? what? Where are, you guys are, you're not even like, you're not at the Bellagio. You're, you're downtown. I'm downtown. You're, I'm you're walking down, around. You're, down, you're downtown in a place that like <laughs> where like three of the tables are open. Yeah, you know, a, a casino boss with a toupee says, "No shoes, no sh shirt, no service." And I go, "What? I'm wearing a shirt. Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> so he says, "Okay, let's try something." Ooh. And he, he gives me a drug. He says, "I don't think you're ready for Wellbutrin because that is that blocks your dopamine, and I don't know even know if you can. I don't even know if you can handle that." That's a dopamine reuptake inhibitor, and you got to be careful with those. No, thank you. But he said, I'm going to give you atomoxidine, or it's called sedufus or something. It's mm -hmm. It's got the word atom in it, mm -hmm. A-T-O-M-mexine, atomoxine, something. Not, but not, um, a, not a dream. Not it's a, a dean. Not a dean. Okay. It's at. Anyway, if you're interested, you can. So it's not. It's not a. It's not a. It's see, not I'm, a drug. I'm way. I'm way out of my depth at this point. But no, I. No, but it, I, it's not. It's not meth. It's no form. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Well, of, I mean, that's the thing with with ADHD. Um, as as most of us learn, is that it's it might be fun to take Adderall, and it is fun to take Adderall. <laughs> but really, as I understand it, what you're the, the there's an unfortunate side effect, which is all the things that stimulate the kind of production of dopamine that makes somebody like me feel more normal also has a big side effect of only being available usually alongside a stimulant. So the stimulant right. stimulating part is kind of a deleterious side effect. Yes. Except to the person taking it. We but right, right, right. But like, but we're talking about different systems. We're talking about different pipes. Just because the pipes and wires doesn't mean they're all the same pipes and wires. There's not like you know what I mean? There isn't like that's some complicated stuff going on and you're you're doing some stuff with electricity and water that you, you really need to understand how those pipes and wires work. Exactly. And he's saying, you already start seven projects every day. Now imagine if you were on methamphetamine. 
And I'm like, oh, I don't have to imagine. I, I, I remember very clearly. I remember. I can help you. I can help you get rid of those if you want. It actually made me really focused. And what that means is that I sat with a notebook and a pen and a number two pencil, and I sketched my hand for six hours. Oh, yeah. And I drew. And now, if you look at that hand, boy, is it? You know, that's a crazy. That's a crazy hand. And he's like, right. So that's what we don't want. We don't want to focus you, and also make you a danger to your community. So anyway, I'm taking, he said, I'm just going to give you a little bit of this just to get you acclimated to it. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to, we'll, we'll see how you take it. So I start taking this. Of course you look online and online, all it says is, well, there are these other drugs that aren't amphetamine that you can give people for ADHD. Not and a lot. Not a lot. Sometimes they might even work. You know, it's, they're very... Oh, no, I mean, absolutely. It's like one of those kind of like, I don't want to say a Dan Benjamin thing, but it's one of those things of like, when you try to substitute something when you're making cookies and you're like, well, you know, applesauce can work, but like, you're really better to get the actual ingredients for the thing. Right. And like, it's something where we're keeping an eye on my blood pressure right now. So I'm off of my usual... Oh, like yeah. not Adderall, but a, a stimulant based ADHD thing. And that's why my brain's so fucking manatee smooth at this point is, yeah. but, but, you know, but that's, this is adult, adulthood smooth. is contraindications, you know? Exactly. And I also, well, so I started taking this little thing and I don't think, I think that my chemistry is so tightly wound that even if you give it a little something. Because I remember this with the, and, and I mean, basically applesauce will throw me into a new emotional state <laughs> where it's like, you just ate a cup of applesauce. Why are you behaving this way? And it's like, because I had a cup of applesauce. Yeah, you you're having me? a real uh, Marcel Proust type situation. Jesus Christ, it's full of apples. What, do you, what kind of question yeah. is that? Who made this? What is this? So I started taking this stuff and I do feel <sighs> different. Ooh, how long? So it's been two weeks, I guess. Oh, wow. That's great. So much of this stuff takes fucking forever and you got to dose up and dose down and try and like, well, so the so, whole story in the nineties of like half the people in my band were on then new antidepressant, antidepressing depression right. drugs. And, and like, it was early days of figuring out, you know, you fix this one thing again, dead Kennedy's right. <laughs> one no. thing's fixed. Another falls apart. Like you, I, 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 will I get to be a whole person with this or do I just give away the whole give it away now, give it away now, sorry, that was a little less Claypool, but, um, but no, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're like, okay, well I can fix this one thing, but now I've got these other like three small things and maybe I'm developing to get dyskinesia or something. And you can't just, you can't just go in and do like a lightning strike at this point. You've got to try stuff and. I'm amazed. That's fantastic news, though, for you. Are all of those uh, former bandmates that tried antidepressants in the 90s, are they all still alive? Because as far as, far as I know, I, I know a lot of people who yeah. are like, hey, I got this new antidepressant. And, you know, and eight years later, they're like, they're not here anymore because that because of what you said. Somebody tried to lightning strike one thing and it pushed a button that that made the uh, whole thing go off the rails. Yeah. I, well, you know, knock on wood so far so good, but like I, I do know it's, it's the brain is a complicated thing, John. It's all, all I'm saying. <laughs> well, so I don't actually feel any different. The That's how I felt when I first started taking Lamictal where I would only notice the difference, which I don't take anymore. I haven't taken it for years, but when I did take Lamictal, um, 
Ask your doctor if lamotrigine is right for you. Um, I, uh, well, in addition to all the blah, blah, not blah, blah, the extremely serious black box warnings, it was just this dosing up, dosing up, dosing up, dosing up. And then by the time it did something, I had arrived at a point where, like, I would only notice it in its absence, which you don't want to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, being normal, it does not, if it worked, it doesn't really feel like an elevated state one way or depressed state one way or another. Like, you're just, you've fixed the leak in that one uh, pipe. Kind of, but in this case, wow! I, after a week of, after the first week, nothing. But after the second week, I looked around. And I was like, "Wait a minute! Did I finish that treehouse? Holy shit! How did I? When did I wow. finish the treehouse?" That sounds kind of profound. Well, a little, and I'm, and I'm. Yeah, really, but I mean, if you've stopped moving the wrong way, that's that's a start. Well, and then it was like, "Wait a minute! Did I just do?" The laundry, I didn't even notice that I, it, at no point in the process of doing the laundry. <laughs> how did that did happen I, without me overthinking it? Yeah. How, at no point did I go start changing the oil in my truck. I know. I just did it. And, and then I was like, well, this bedroom is so disorganized. I better clean it, which is something I say every time. But in this instance, I cleaned it. And, and now I walk past it and I'm like, wait, 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 that bedroom is still clean. Yeah. So it's too early to say, but but I'm doing this interesting thing. I want some uh, atomazine. Atom atom atomatine. Yeah. Atomina Pro. And so I don't know what it is. I don't know what how it works, and I don't think they do either. Yeah. But and if you go online, of course, it says, well, it doesn't work because nothing works except for Adderall, which would turn me into a junkie within a, a week and a half. Mm. And anyway, so I, I, I believe the children are in our future. Does your psychologist and, miss you? Your therapist? Well, so now I'm, do, now I'm going to both of them. Oh, boy. And I don't think that's sustainable. Mm. But I mean, you should really only pick one team to root for. Well, and it's what do I confusing. need? Merlin, do I need medicine or do I need to talk to somebody? I mean, I they're not know. mutually. I, I was actually going to say, as I try to correct myself and, and not sound like a total asshole, um, I think both are extremely useful, but I think they're useful at and for complementary, but ultimately different things. Yeah. If you've got a raging pipes and wires problem, realigning and reframing how you feel about things is going to be a, a quick fix at best. Well, you know, I was talking to a lot of army guys uh, who were saying that they had real recruiting problems right now because they just cannot get enough people to join the army. Yeah. And they said, one of those problems is that there are a lot of people who want to join the army, but the army won't let you join if you're taking psychological medicine. Because they say, look, we don't want you out on the battlefield to have a psychological episode, and we don't want, you know, we don't want the army full of people that are all meth like Hitler did. Just give them some some pervitin. Yeah, exactly. What they don't want is call in Doctor Morell (laughs) of Vermont. They're trying to get, you know, the best and the brightest, and those people also feel like, well, I could get a job making video games, and so I don't. It never occurred to me that one thing that would be keeping me from ever being the retired director of the CIA was that I was taking too many meds. Yeah. But here we are. Hmm. Here we are. And I'm going to start. Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to start. 
But right now I'm taking a handful of pills that is, that just keeps getting stronger every day. Uh, and I, I, but none of them are, none of them are, are, are supposedly yes. psych, psychoactive. None of them are like right. controlled schedule three, anything's they're all just like, Oh, we don't know what this is exactly. It's kind of a salt. That's also an anti-seizure medicine yeah. and maybe a blood pressure medicine. And maybe it's a vitamin, but yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how a lot of this, I mean, a lot of the stuff works. I'm not, a, I'm not a physician. It's, it's, it's Isn't complicated stuff and it's all exacerbated by the thing I, I feel like by the thing I was talking about, which is the dearth of project management that there's that you're, as we've talked about so many times, one thing that at least is frustrating for me. And I think it's frustrating for you is the extent to which you have to manage this whole project. You have to keep everybody talking to each other. You've <laughs> got to make sure you're checking in on the right things. You've got to make sure, I mean, like, they're just like they're waving you out of there in um when you pick it up at the cvs the walgreens the fred meyer whatever they're kind of just hey any questions blah blah it's like no 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 it's all it's all fine but like nobody's there to be your forward-looking consultant and on top of it all sorry if i get in trouble for this i do think some people in medicine have maybe not an agenda but definitely have a way they like to do things and if you're not aware that this person is looking more into this thing than that thing, do you know? What I, do you know? Follow what I'm saying. Like the 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 problem you, they, they they like to solve or choose to solve. I'm not going to be mercantile and cynical and say it's about like extending the length of care, but I I am going to say it's difficult to get treated as a whole and changeable person in a way that is both successful and not you know, disruptive. Yeah. It, it's like, do you remember, do you remember reading John Berger's ways of seeing? Surely at some point you read. Sounds ways familiar. Of Remind me what that is. Ah, uh, ways of seeing. It says it was a short book. I think they made it into a TV show. It was just about ways of seeing different ways of seeing. Mm -hmm. And just the idea that there were ways of seeing was pretty new in 1972. Now, of course, it's all we talk about is that there are ways of seeing. Right. And I think that doctors have a way of seeing and oh, absolutely, you yes. know, and uh, and I also and you and I both talk about this a lot, where it's like I feel like I'm caught in a trap and I can't walk out of a certain. <laughs> I well, love you too much, John. Of a certain way of seeing right now, and I don't want to be in this way of seeing, but I'm walking around in circles in this way of seeing, and all I need is some one person to just say some random one thing that makes me go, oh, whoa, 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 that's just a way of seeing. And I, and I get out of there and get back to a, a, what I hope is a broader way of seeing. Part of the, the I mean, I'm not a, a therapist, um, but it strikes me that part of your uh, as one of my clients, I don't say patient, I say client. As mm -hmm. one of my clients, one thing that I, I would think about with you is what feels like a a resistance or rejection of like certain kinds of maybe not explanations, but like even when so like what you're what I think what you're describing from my way of seeing is that no matter what happens in some ways you still feel like you're fucking up and you're disappointing and you're down in the count and that there's somebody out there who thinks that you should have done better including you 
Um, and like the, the, the question what that becomes, and one way the, the, uh, a certain kind of Buddhist might approach this is to say, well, could there ever be a state where you feel satiety about yes. where you should be in life? Or is that something that's always going to be a wobbly wheel for you? And, you know, but the thing is, here's the irony, knowing that can actually improve the situation. If you know that, like then that feeling, and forgive me, this is something I'm thinking about and reading about a lot right now, but that doesn't have to be who you are. It doesn't have to be a part of you. It's, it's the same way that you could have a scar or, or a mole or an X <laughs> or, or something that has a role in your life, but doesn't define it. And unless it's, it's our, in my case, I'll speak for myself, my fucked up mind that has this reversion to the mean where it always wants to get back to, okay, so then what's the thing that I'm freaked out about, regardless of how things are going. Like, as you describe, I got a house and I got a family and it's actually not going so bad, but yeah. like, there's something about, you know, and in this book I'm reading now, which is by an evolutionary psychologist and it's called why Buddhism is true and set aside the title for a minute. But what the guy's saying is something that I think makes a lot of sense, which is things that from an evolutionary standpoint or natural selection standpoint, stood us in good stead for a long, <laughs> I know we'll ask Syracuse if we used it right. Um, but, but that is but it those, a noun though, or an adjective? Oh, you're being so cringe. That's, oh, that's so natural selection. That's so, you, that's so <laughs> Raven. Um, you, but we, uh, the things we're, we're, one way to put it is that feelings, I don't like saying evolved. Uh, feelings came along as a way deliberately to fool us. Are feelings, they real though? Feelings are real okay. and feelings feel real, but feelings are not everything and they're not the only thing. And if we unintentionally trust that our feelings are always telling us the right thing, that's a good time to check in. Right. Because that's no, that's certainly no, uh, to state the obvious, that's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that because you feel something strongly means it's true, let alone useful. Right. But like, that's, I feel like that's the problem. And what this dude is saying in a way that at least makes sense to my cognitive bias is like, oh, things that would have served us well in a different time, less so now. Just yeah. the number of people we encounter who like, we don't know, but we still, we worry about status. We worry about all these things. And like that, it's understandable that that would lead whatever we call this to that constant hum in our head, that constant buzz of like, oh, are you sure you're okay? Like, cause it seems like you're pretty fucked up. And I don't know. I, I think becoming in, in the case that I'm trying to make to you here, becoming aware that, Hey, you know what? Maybe you'll never feel like you've arrived. Maybe you'll never feel like you no are no longer dis disappointing people. But like, there's a difference in my mind between that being a way things are likely to stay barring changes in how you operate or think, but like, you're not, you're not like stuck with that as a death sentence, especially if you decide that you're not going to feel bad about it, which is simple, but not easy. And that is the premise of, of switching over to a therapist psychologist. Okay. Well, that'll be $480. <laughs> well, but, but that's the thing on the one hand, you know, everything's going great. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in my life that are like feelings, nothing more than feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, raining down on my face. And so go over. Trying to forget go, my feelings. <laughs> go to the man, and then maybe you can f have a new way of seeing. And I go, and I, and I spend time, and I'm like, I'm just looking for a new way of seeing. Give me some stratagem mm -hmm. uh, where I can say things to myself that make me not feel bad about myself. 
and we work on that for a while and I'm, and, and I'm like, okay, well I could say that to myself that, you know, all the mantra and all of the changing my way of seeing and my way of thinking, but I still have a kitchen table full of unfinished shit and mm-hmm. it's never not going to be a kitchen table full of unfinished shit, no matter what I tell myself, because if I could tell myself something that would get me to finish something, I wouldn't have all these three by five cards that have words on them. I can't even read. Mm-hmm. And so, so I don't think that there's a mantra or an affirmation or a a Derek Smalley, um, like encouraging word that is ever going to make me silence all the Welsh trolls that are singing violin music to me from under a bridge in Cardiff about how I'm a fuck up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I th- honestly think, Merlin, if I finished a project, because I know this from past experience, and I think you do too, you finish a project and you feel good for a while. It's the right. best thing. It's better than anything. It's better than a drug. It's better the than best. A- the best gift you can have in this world is what I will just call a good day. And a good yeah. day for me usually involves uh, having done something that Uh, I procrastinated about doing or it avoided doing. And suddenly I feel like a super person. Like, thank you. Yes. I feel, I feel really, really capable. And just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not trying to counsel or advise that you should go out. Cause you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I am a real worm. I'm an actual worm. (laughs) I know you are. I think I'm getting pretty good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> great now that'll be in my head for two weeks Thanks. but um but no I'll, I'll, i'm trying to say this like the goal is not to delude yourself the goal is not to just sort of um you know uh if there is a goal it's not to fool yourself into Thank thinking you. things are, yeah it's because we're not foolable we're not we can't be fooled you and me I'm let alone pretty, fooled I, by our own dumb selves i think i'm i was listening to a, a podcast uh, the other day about this insane scam that involves human trafficking and hiring Chinese people to um, like basically catfish people and get their financial information. Mm. And, uh, and, and uh, the case that's being made in this, in this very good podcast was, uh, Hey, you know what? Nobody thinks that they're susceptible to stuff. Nobody thinks they could be fooled. How mom, dad, how did this ever happen? You used to be a professional person. Yeah. And like, how did that happen to you? You're so dumb and old and you should probably be in a home. And it's like, I am somewhat persuaded that uh, maybe unlike you or probably unlike you, I am persuadable because there are various ways around what I would like to think is a, a an impenetrable Maginot line that turns out to be exactly like the real Maginot line, <laughs> <laughs> which is just slightly inconvenient <laughs> to get yeah, around. Right. right. If you're, if you're, uh, if your tractor or I'm sorry, if your horse-drawn cart actually has an engine, oh, you can shit. just go around. And, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tubas right now that are all set up in the Ardennes and that shit's going to go wild. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, that bar, and it's funny. I so associate going to see, like you know, going to a well, we used to call it New Wave Night. That sounds silly, but yep, that's what yep, they called yep, it. In that's the what 80s. it was. Yep. And almost every single one of those I've gone to on the reg has been at a gay bar, and yep. I'm trying to like test myself on that. There was one in Sarasota that 
uh, I want to say it was Tuesday nights. There was another one <laughs> hilariously at the Ramada Inn in Sarasota, <laughs> right near like where our school was. And that's was probably, it a hotel or a motel? It was a motel. No, no, hotel, uh, motel, motel. That was probably the first time I ever heard Gigantic. Um, yes, was like on you spin a, on me a new right wave. round, baby, right round. Oh come on! <laughs> I was in high school when that came out. No, that you was on not. No, you weren't. I, sure I was. Well, I was right after. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Oh, okay. I remember You're I was dating right. a girl right, named right. Mary, and we didn't like each other yeah. very much. Yeah. But Stock Aiken and Waterman, you know? Very you litigious. Remember, you remember how Groove is in the Heart hit like a bomb yep, yep, in yep, the yep, gay uh, clubs of the time. Second or third year of college. Yeah, that was that that was mm. one of those, like, well, there were these certain songs, like like that one. I would say that Harley David Son of a Bitch song. Mm -hmm. um, the Bollock Brothers. Cowboy. Um, uh, of course had like a whole, there were these certain songs in like, uh, 88 or so that you, you could just, uh, you know, fill the dance floor, but, yeah. and then, uh, and then other places, I mean, where was the other one I was thinking of? There were clubs like in St. Pete that like, they had a big, like kind of goth club, but that goth club was also, that's where I saw the feelies. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't have live music, but it is, it's kind of interesting to think about to me, like. Uh, I can think of off right off the dome. Oh, a place in Tampa. I used to go with my friend DJ Sean. We go and that place. Oh, they got they had all you all you can eat, uh, all you can drink, uh, well drinks for like ten dollars. Whoa. Whoa, sounds like a cruise ship. Oh, dude, I had so I had so many amaretto stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I, it's just interesting to think about like, that's, you know, the, the, the same way that like a pizza hut and it sounds like, a, I feel like a David Byrne song, but like you have a pizza hut that turns into like a, a dentist's office. And it, it's just interesting to me that at least for music that was really, really, this was music that was really crucial, like very important in my, in my life. And, uh, and I still associate it with places that are or were a gay bar. Right. Right. Which is not, not not to say anything except like you know it's like you know a lot of times you get your teeth cleaned and, and it used to be the hut, you know it was it's the it was it used to be the one place that you could go and really just cut loose. But the problem with that, of course, is that then there was that whole thing of like, well, wait a minute, this is a gay space, and now all you straight kids are in here slumming and listening to cool music, and that's like a drag, and literally a drag, not a drag show, but a drag on the vibe, because a lot of straight girls would go to gay bars because it was the one place they wouldn't oh, they get could hit dance on. in a circle with, yeah, uh, yeah exactly, exactly, with six other girls, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and buy one beer and nurse it all night. I went to a show, Merlin. Yes. No, you there. I went to a show. It's the first show I went to since the pandemic. Oh, I went oh, to you, a rock you re show. You recently just went to, went to a show. Oh, you there, met my friend Carl and you went to a show. That's I exciting. I met my friend Carl. There were all these shows right in a row. There was the Shins and the Gorillas and um, the uh, and uh, Pavement. And oh, Pavement was just here like like a week or so ago. Yeah, all these shows. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to go to any of those. Nope, yeah. nope, nope. And then fucking, I don't even want to call him a friend of the show because he's not a friend. He's, mm -hmm. a, he's a big piece of shit. Mike okay. Squires. Oh, uh, Mike, yeah. Mike Squires is playing bass. He's kind of your bet noir, is he? No, he, that's Colin Malloy. Oh shit, you're right. But he's is is he sort of like a, do you see him as like an agent? Uh, I'm using a lot of foreign phrases, and I think I, I should know. get double credit for that. Agent, agent provocateur, précisément. He he's he's uh you know it's like uh, Dando says you know he's the the stone uh, stone in your 
shoeing underneath your feet. You guys, you guys go after each other, hammer and yeah. tongs, but but it's out of love. Yeah, but he's always welcome at my house, you know. Huh? You sure but, you want that out there? Well, that's the thing. It's too late, right? I get a text he, from him a couple times a month, and it always makes me happy. Yeah, he comes in and he just is like, "Well, I'm always welcome in your house," and I'm like, "God damn it! When did I? I invited you a vampire." Said that. And, yeah. So he is playing in Peter Hook's band. Oh, right. Yeah. Peter Hook uh, and the Light is the name of the band, but it's Peter Hook basically playing Joy Division and uh, and New Order cover, or not covers, he's the guy from the band. So although I might have singing, just accidentally very briefly transliterated Jason and Mike, and I apologize. Oh, no, no. Jason's I know another, they're different. I know they're yeah. different people. And if I, I don't even want to go back and see if I fucked that up, but no, you sure. told me that he's playing with Hookie. Yeah. But Jason Finn, Jason Finn, just to be clear, my dear friend, friend of the show, Jason Finn, yes. who's, uh, who knows, he, he's not your bet noir either. Definitely, you're going to stick Jason with Colin Malloy. Jason Finn is also apparently ass, and okay. he's also welcome in my home at any time, oh. at, because I invited him in a long time ago. The difference between Mike Squires and Jason Finn is Jason doesn't actually want to come over to my house. He's got art Mike Squires. Place. Yeah. yeah, Mike Squires wants to come over. Jason's over at his house trying to find a new way You're to You're saying barbecue. that even if you use the Dracula protocol, there's people out there that just may not want to even come in at all? I mean, Jason will come if you force him, and he'll stand in the doorway, and he'll be like, hmm. He'll look around and be like, eh. Is it beneath him, John? Uh, he just doesn't like the suburbs. He's a city, city kid. Mm -hmm. But so I go to this show, and I was like so anxious about it, and I didn't want to go, and I, you know, I didn't, but... Squires wouldn't let up. He was relentless. And I went, I, I did don't the think thing. of you as a big uh, New Order Joy Division fan. That's the other thing. Like, I, See, I all, that, New Order is one of my all time favorite bands. Well, and that's it. New Order had hits and they were, and in all the clubs at the time, that was fun. I really loved the kind of Shrockets sort of style of like, oh, we are so cold. Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know what the future is? Cold. It's cold. cold. It was a nice combination of like uh, Bowie era Berlin, but with just so much cocaine. Yeah, like you can a lot dance. of cocaine. Yeah. You can dance if you want to. Dun, 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 dun. But you're never going to find love in New Order. Mm. And and I believed it, you know, and I loved it, but because they've got because they had hits, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, but so I go and the show. Uh, the show was i don't know four hours long ah. they played four separate sets ah, and would take that's, like that's three times too long they would take 15 minute long cigarette breaks mm. because everybody in the band still smokes and they're all <laughs> they're all british mm. and so they have that thing where you know how all british people are they I do they can talk to pans but also <laughs> they can fly also they can fly that man's gone so, now <laughs> they're so beaten down the british are yeah. so beaten yeah they're going through it right now on another screen here i have the uh they'll call it a casket it's a coffin i'm watching the coffin with the standard being carried around Oh, it's that's today. It's happening today. I think that this might be this might be the uh, hipster rebroadcast, but I'm not sure. Did you see the editorial cartoon of the the old man sitting in his living room and he's looking over at an empty chair and he's watching the the funeral on his television and he looks real yes. sad. It's a very sad. That's drawing. very family circus. Yeah, that's yeah, got but, kind of a dead grandpa vibe. Oh, so sad. I'm up here, Jeffy. <laughs> 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 but any, anyway, you know, the thing about being backstage. I love you, Jeffy. 
Who yeah. me? Not me. There, there's a uh, there, there's a thing about being backstage with a bunch of middle aged British rock stars, which is Blech. they're so <laughs> they're so beaten, their hearts are so destroyed, and they and they have been for decades. Hooky, Hooky still, got his heart broken by the. I think there's a lot of acrimony between the, him and his former bandmates. Oh, I know, I know there is, and all of the guys working for him are. You remember when I when when I was Elvis Costello's driver for a weekend, and uh, and I would drive the. Uh, the attractions around when Elvis wasn't there, and they, all they would do is bitch about him, and then he would. Oh, get the, I bet the what, van. Was, and he, was, and was, like, was, hey, what's his name? Was the drummer? Was Pete the drummer then? That guy. Yeah, I know. Those guys, like, that's a fucking good band. I can't tell them. Apart. I can't usually take that much Farfisa, but like, oof. But so, so I really enjoy that sense of humor. That like, there's nothing mm-hmm. left to live for, so all there is to do is joke, kind of half under our breath. Hmm. I, it's a big, it's a big thing for me. I just love, I love, uh, I. Love British people, not just because. But the British people are very self-deprecating, but they're also very other-deprecating. Yeah, they're super mean, and I and I love <laughs> that they're still. It's like hanging out with middle-aged gay people. They're still so mean, and oh, a kind of yeah. meanness that you can't find anywhere else. And they can only do, you know, you can only have those small cocktail parties where it's like you I look around. My, and you my go, wife is acquainted with a, a super, super duper gay uh, couple who loves Donald Trump. Oh yeah! If you think about that. it, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty wild cocktail. There's like some you, loathing in there. It's a yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful house. You know they're dressed somewhat similarly, and, and Fox News is on very loud all the time. I have a I have a good a, for them. You a know? pretty close relationship with a with a, a lesbian couple who are in their sixties, mm-hmm. and they are maybe the least tolerant people I've ever met. And it's so why is no one talking about this, John? You you look <laughs> you look around the room and everybody kind of looks at each other and it's like, okay, are we in agreement that we're going to be super mean? And everybody nods, and it's like, wow, this feels like a cult. But but so backstage at a concert where everybody's middle aged and British, it's the same thing, you know, like the like I got ten minutes. Uh, out of these guys where they were just telling me that I was pronouncing the word twat incorrectly. And I was Pasta. like, I was like, pump the How? brakes guys, you Jesus. know, and I would say it and then they would say it and I would say, we're saying the same word. And they're like, we are not saying the same word. Ugh. You are saying it like it's like, it's an Italian word. And I'm like twat. And they're like twat. Ugh. Anyway. So I'm at this show. And I was so worried that all of the security people that used to let me go hang in the rafters like the Phantom of the Opera, like they had all <laughs> retired and I was going to meet all, all the these jerseys people. have been raised to the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there were going to be a whole bunch of new security people that were like, can I see your ID? And it's like, I don't need ID in this club. Do hmm. you know? Do you know? There's Google a, me. <laughs> look, they painted, my, they painted around my shoes do right there. Yeah, how many problems I've caused here. <laughs> I was kicked out of this bar before you were a twinkle in your parents' eye. I've been thrown out in the street more than more times, literally, than I can remember. I cannot remember, literally. But but it was great. There were still security people there that were like, "Hey, it's you," and they put me. You know, they wheeled me over into my regular spot. And I watched, <laughs> I watched the show. That, that's amazing. It's like, I don't know, like Eric Von Strohan shows up on the set. <laughs> like, wheel him in. They did. They, they, put, they put me on a hand cart and they it wheeled me so through the crowd. Up the coming through, coming through, you know. <laughs> ah. Silky tones of temptation. So I watched the show yeah. all four hours with my, you know, standing in the spot where my they painted around my shoes. 
<laughs> and and I'm looking out at the crowd, and it's all the people that were at the Scoochies Dance Club in 1985. Uh, you know, all the kids that had gone to the gay night, uh, new wave night. Except Only now, now they're 50. Now are 57. Ew. And they're all crowded together, and they're singing every word mm-hmm. to every song on the Joy Division record. Yeah. And I, although I did like all the New Order singles, I don't know if you've listened all the way through. To- I, I, I don't talk about this a lot, John, but you'd be amazed given how much you would not believe the, the way 1987, 88 academic year went for me because that kind of covers both substance, the New Order, like it is a best of, but it's a big, sprawling two record best of with, you know, alternate versions than what you would have heard on like Low Life or, or whatever, right? But then, yeah. like, when Technique came out, I was like, that's it, I'm out. Like, Fine Time or the like the soccer song? No, that's that's not my tempo. Well, they, the Peter Hook band, played Unknown Pleasures from start to finish in order. Did you dance, dance, dance? It dance, was dance not to the radio? in, it was not in a new order, it was in. They, they were they smashing glass on stage? And stuff. <laughs> they they weren't. They, it's a great show. Yeah, it's a yeah. great show. But you know, and I and watching Who's the sang? crowd Who's was sang? like, well, Peter. Huh. Huh. Uh, and I and I and I said to Mike, wait, Peter Hook is not really the world's best vocalist. And he yeah. said, <laughs> neither is Bernard Sumner. He said exactly the same thing. <laughs> he's like, was Bernard Sumner? And I'm like, well, no, no. And he's like, was Ian uh, Curtis? And I'm like. Yo! Wow! 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 It's that. It's that. Uh, what a Mancunian sense of humor. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was no Beyonce. So anyway, it was a great. It was a great debut to go back out into the clubs and yes. to and to be there to see. You know, and at one point, I actually did the eighties side to side dance. Oh, you didn't. You didn't commit to a full way back dance. I didn't, but I but I did the like. One, two, hop to the other foot. One, two, hop oh, to the other you. foot. Oh, good for you. Did you have wearing a brace or any kind of a prosthetic I, that could help I, you with that? I wasn't. I stayed in my shoe marks, <laughs> but I but I definitely, it's the only way you can dance to New Order is oh. to go like one, two, and then one, two, you know, with a little bit of a side side twist. Yeah, they're not going to diverge from four, four. Can I, can I wrap this up? Can I say something uh, and then that I think that I regard as funny and then hit the bell and we'll be done recording? You, you absolutely. Because I want to, I want to bring it all together for you. Yeah, please do, please. Do. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what the name of this club was. Michael and Tony and all of our friends, we would always go to the same. God, I wish I could remember the name of the gay, gay bar in uh, Sarasota. But you know, you go there often enough and you get to know faces a little bit. You know, I didn't like get like super tight with people there because you know it really wasn't for me. I was a, I was a visitor there, but it was yeah. a it was a you know and but uh, there was this guy who worked the door who was, I mean, in retrospect, almost like a John Mulaney character. He was the most h- hilarious, like d- down and out, like kind of like low-key gay guy, gay guy with a full Southern Southern accent and everything. He'd be sitting there smoking a butt and he didn't want to check your, let me check your license. Oh Lord, I can't believe you're 22. And, and he's doing, and, but we get to know him and I don't remember the guy's name, but I knew it at the time. I'd say, you know, Hey Rudy or, or whatever. And I was like, you know, is this, it must be pretty wild. Like you work here all the other days too. You know, is it, is it pretty weird to go from, you know, gay bar to, uh, to this, to our group and he goes, well, as far as I'm concerned, all you new waivers are in purgatory. <laughs> Happened in 1988, and I still think about it. 
can't pick a side. You got to pick a team, my friend.